Welcome to the Prehype Podcast. If you're new to the show, let me give you a little introduction. I'm your host, Henrik Rordelin, and I spent my career building new ventures, both as a co-founder, as an investor, and as an advisor. In this podcast, I'm inviting really smart entrepreneurial people out for a walk and talk while we get some coffee and talk about some of the skills and the tools and mindsets they use to solve problems in a scalable way. I hope you enjoy today's show. How long have you worked now together? I've been here for seven years. So I moved from Indiana, took an interview in a Sam's Club parking lot with you. <laughs> and then, Is that true? Yeah. Which parking lot? Uh, it was a Sam's Club. Do you know what Sam's Club is? No. It's like horrible Walmart. Is it? It's like giant Walmart. It's <laughs> hilarious. So maybe we should just set it up for people who don't know. Today I'm walking with Stacy Grissom, <laughs> who we've not worked with for seven years. Yeah, plus. seven plus years. Yeah. And I guess when you started, you did everything. But the last many, many years, you've been running the Barbox kind of content teams. Yeah. In uh, all its different kind of permutations that they have been. But maybe like we should go back to kind of how it started, right? Because I think as far as I remember it is many years ago, and I guess I probably selectively remember a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But as far as I recall it, we had this idea that because it was something that people cared a lot about, that dogs was part of the family, we could kind of write stuff at that time on Facebook and Twitter and a bunch yeah. of other platforms that was just like a little bit more lifestyle-y. And so I went to a friend of mine, Courtney, who was a journalist at the time, and asked like, hey, do you know anybody who writes funny and interesting? And she, I think, just tweeted it out. And yeah, that's... She, she tweeted out, looking for a job in content, must love dogs. <laughs> and, and so do you remember like, so when we were three people, or four people, I guess, sitting in a, a little Chinatown office, like, what was the first content that we did? Um, well, first off, I was, like, surprised that this is a job that someone was going to give me money to do, <laughs> <laughs> um, tell dog stories. But, yeah, I mean, when we first started 2012, like, it was right at the time when companies and brands were starting to use Facebook in the way that people have profiles on Facebook. So we just started posting the kinds of things that we would find to be interesting as, like, a person. And that was just like posting pictures of our dogs, telling cool stories of other people's dogs that we found on the internet. And it just so happened that we were one of the first companies to start using Facebook in that way. And so because of like right time, right place, we were able to grow really quickly. And then we started building out the media business and that was just the beginning. But it took us a while to figure out what we wanted to use it for, right? Like you had like a dual job in the early days where you were yeah. customer support slash... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, day one, I was like, oh, they are going to pay me to write dog content stuff, but mostly it's customer support <laughs> in the beginning. I was like, there was a catch. <laughs> but to start with, it was just that. And then I feel we were kind of like just testing a lot of things. Like I remember we used to have dog profiles, trolling people on the internet. We, yeah. we try to post other people's pictures. Yeah, I, we hired a comedian to do the voice of dogs online. And like some things worked and some things didn't. Like that one really amused us, but you know, it didn't take off and become like a viral sensation in the way that other things we've done have, even though it was probably one of our favorite things to do. What was the first time you felt that we had like something that really worked? I'm thinking of you mentally going through your big scrapbook at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have a giant scrapbook full of all of our little papers that we've ever sent out. Um, <laughs> 
Um, I think once I started to realize that like this could be a really huge thing was when we started to have like our first few viral blog posts. I don't know, the business and the content have always been in tandem with each other. So like my first day we had 2,500 subscribers. On day three, we did a Groupon and we went from 2,500 subscribers to 10,000 subscribers. I think also in many ways our products have been very influenced by the content we wrote. You know, I think a lot of the comedy that is now the whole amount of the, the products that we send out kind of came because your content team gave us permission to do crazy stuff. In many ways, like the brand kind of followed the content, ironically, a little bit more than actually the product did. Do you drink coffee? Yeah. Okay, that's a good coffee place here. Now we're in like, I guess it's like as we're migrating to more nicer things, also we're in little Italy now. We should walk by the old office. Oh yeah, actually let's go there. Let's yeah. get the coffee and then go memory lane. <laughs> I don't think people realize just how unique that old office was. Yeah. I also don't think I realized how, like, you know, everything could have like gone south and we could have been like without jobs, but I don't know. We had so much like faith in everything that I think there's always been like a playfulness, right? Because in many ways, because we, I think we were all surprised at all the time that this actually worked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I took the job, I was like, I don't know if this is going to last a long time, but it, it sounds really fun. And that sounds like way better than taking a real job. <laughs> Wait, what are you drinking? Hey. I'll just do regular coffee. Uh, regular coffee? You want cold, hot or cold? Um, I'll do hot. Uh, a hot coffee and I'll do a iced coffee. I think a lot of the inspiration that I had was because, in many ways, how we were thinking about it at MTV. Music at MTV was never about like the act of playing music. It wasn't really about like how do you tune the guitar, how do you go to a concert in the most effective way. It was always about like the lifestyle, having like music at heart, and so like living the music rather than necessarily kind of like making the music. And I think in many ways. Uh, Bark have always been the same way, where the industry otherwise have been doing a lot of stuff that's more kind of like more utilitarian, like 10 interviews with a vet kind of thing. For sure. I think like, and that was like what was so exciting about starting this job was so much of the content was like, here's how to trim your dog's toenails. And I'm like, I don't want to read this. This is boring. <laughs> but then there's like a pug who pees doing a handstand. I'm like, that's awesome. So that's what a we dog that pees while I do a handstand? Is that yeah, a real that was, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a pug who like stands on his front paws and pees. Like he does like a little cartwheel. <laughs> um, and I think like it was just like the right time for us. We started posting the much sillier stuff. It's the type of content that like when you stumble upon it, it fascinates you and you stick around and you want to have more of that. And it was just new and different at the time. It seems that Still to this day, we're one of the few companies in the dog pet space that are doing stuff like this. I think it's bold. I think it's like kind of scary sometimes to like make a fool of yourself. A lot of the stuff we've always posted has just been like ridiculous and we could be laughed at for posting. But I think we've just always valued having a sense of humor. And that's part of the reason we love dogs so much is like, they are guileless, they are ridiculous, they do things that are horribly embarrassing, but like we think it's funny instead of 
impolite. <laughs> I keep coming back to this thing in these day and age where everything, there's so much tension in the world. Like dogs do have this lovely property that it is difficult to be very tense and angry at the world when you hang out with your dog, right? Yeah, and I think that's been like culture in our office too. It's like, you know, you're gonna be having like the most stressful meetings about preparing for the most important months of the year and you look over and like Frank the Bulldog is taking a crap next to the elevator because his dad <laughs> forgot to take him out. The office isn't very serious because dogs aren't very serious and it's all like fueled the inspiration around everything that we do. So then we started to write all this content. Was Instagram kind of like happening at that time? No, Instagram was like 2013. And we were, I mean, Instagram has been like one of our biggest things. Like we were one of the first brands to join it. And we were like figuring out how to post things. And then that's when like the animal as the celebrity started having its rise. And folks on our team were like reaching out to these dogs that were becoming huge celebrities. And it all kind of like piggybacked itself. And it was like the very beginning of like influencer marketing, kind of like mirroring like what fashion bloggers had done like in the late 2005 to 2010. But we started doing it with dogs and it felt very novel felt very refreshing. It felt not all of the like gross marketing stuff. It was just pure and silly. And so we were able to build up our Instagram very quickly on the coattails of like the societal shift towards loving animals as celebrities on the internet. You're a pretty humble person, but if you were to give yourself credit for like the rise of the celebrity dog, how much do we play in that pot? I think I think BarkBox was the first company, like the dog influencers, started to be able to like actually make a little bit of extra spending money each month and like become like a part of a business, which is like really fun. It's just like a hobby to have these Instagram handles, and we kind of like made it a legitimate thing for them to be able to do. Do you think anybody had made a living out of? Of yeah, being, of being I mean now Instagram? there's like dog agencies. And, oh, really? Like, yeah, I, mean, I can't tell you how many dog agents I have emailed. <laughs> Is this dog available for this event? Is this dog available for a commercial? I mean the first time we had like in our contract, employment contracts, you basically, we have a lot of dog puns and jokes kind of like where people have to sign that they'll belly rub dogs <laughs> yeah. in the office. And there's one where it says, you may elect to basically get paid in cash or in treats, which is kind of funny when you send it to a human. The problem is when we start to send it to all these celebrity dogs, we got like angry emails back like, we don't want treats, we want real money. <laughs> the celebrity dog stuff was big for a while, right? I yeah. guess it still is. Yeah, I mean, I think like the moment where I was like, this is going to be enormous was when we hosted the Tuna Tour. So Tuna is one of the first really famous internet dogs. He's Tuna melts my heart. He got really famous on Reddit because his face looks like a perfect little tuna fish. <laughs> um, and we hosted the Tuna Tour. And it was an eight city tour up and down the East Coast. And we had a party at our office and we bought a red carpet because we didn't have event stuff back then. And we rolled it out and we opened the doors and looked out and the, the line to meet Tuna was all the way around the corner. <laughs> That's amazing. So this is all like the, the celebrity dog stuff. And then at one point we go very deep into comedy, right? Yeah, so that was a result of when we had Bark Post. And so, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014 was like the rise of 
BuzzFeed and Upworthy and all of the like editorial sites figuring out how to make money as like an internet publisher. Um, and so we like swelled up our team and had a lot of writers writing things. How many writers do you think we had at that point? Full time we had like 15 people and then we had like 70 freelancers. We were publishing 180 articles a week. It was crazy. <laughs> but you know, I, we always tried to hire people who were really funny because I think that if you have something to say, it needs to be interesting and it's always more interesting if it's funny. So we over-indexed on hiring funny people. I remember that. That was when we thought from the business side that we could not only use it as a way of generating a lot of eyeballs and get people to buy our products, but we could generate so many eyeballs that we could sell advertising against it and then generate even more revenue that would kind of like fuel the content team and then kind of like grow it like that. Yeah. And we did that for a few years, right? Yeah, it was 2013 through 2016. And then I think at the back of that, really one of the big things that happened was the Facebook changed its algorithms, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like content is always the victim of many changes on the platforms that we are pushing out all of our stuff. Um, either like tastes change and people get sick of email newsletters or Facebook changes or Instagram changes or you know the laws change like everything is always changing so you're always having to adapt the mediums and the styles that you're pushing out stories like squirrel berries nut in the fur of Bernie's mountain dog <laughs> I think the last few years for us from a content perspective have really been about different form of experimentation for me the like going in real life was kind of like a type of content also because I felt at one point it was so difficult to come up with new stunts to make on the content platforms that an easier kind of way of reframe that in my view was to make something interesting in real life and then just write about that. Um, where is content produced by brands? Where do you think that is going right now? I think there was a golden moment that we lived through and it was like 2013 to 2016 and you could do something very cheap and it could be seen by millions of people. Because we had hundreds of millions of video views, right? And yeah, tens I mean, of millions our, of uniques. Our site got up to 15 million visitors a month. Uh, one of our videos, a dog mom rap, had 68 million views. We published a book, like we did all this crazy stuff. We have our Dog's Best Day series that uh, in total has like 168 million views. It got picked up by the nightly news. Like we've had crazy stuff happen, but I don't think that in the era that we're in right now that that's really possible anymore. One, because like the world has changed and the social platforms are more worried about democracy than, <laughs> you know, making the next dog video viral for people to consume. And so I think the content of the future, getting something to go viral is going to be a lot more difficult. But I also think that some of the things that I see that we're doing are like, our products are actually just as much content as they are toys that solve problems for dogs. They create stories for people to take pictures with their dog. Uh, they create like full moments. They make you think differently about things or we're building a park or you know, we're doing um, yappy hours and events, like a little bit more intimate, not as like viral scalable. I've always been fascinated by this idea of how do you give our customers something that 
makes them look good in the eyes of their peers. Like ironically, I remember one of the toys we made that had a toy inside the toy. Oh, we've had, I mean, we've had like 25 toys within toys. Three of them have made the number one spot on Reddit, which as a company to get that, it's like impossible. I remember one of them and I was reading the comment and like most of the comments were pretty kind of positive and then people became cynical like these players like <laughs> yeah. you know, they're like this is the third time I've seen BarkBox on the front people page of Reddit. People are bribing it <laughs> and I was like I want to can you do that? <laughs> Got all like cynical there but I think actually but that's where it kind of dawning on me that you could kind of think content strategy into your product like basically what is the Instagram post that you want customers to post with your product? Totally. You know where we're now? 50 Eldred Street. This building is just insane. Do you remember the shop that used to be next to it? Oh yeah, the dumpling shop? East Dumpling. Oh, it's still there, East Dumpling. No, they changed their name because they got shut down by the health. It's called Prosperity. Yeah, Prosperity, Prosperity Dumplings. They were so good. It was like five dumplings for a dollar. Uh, you had to wait in line behind all the school kids after school. And then we looked out of our back alley window and saw the rats running all over. <laughs> It was barely a window. They were very tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you can still get it. Remember there was, used to be an elevator guy? It's a door open, you think? No, it's locked. There is a big sign that says no dogs allowed. <laughs> Maybe they got wise. Yeah. I remember I moved here from Indiana and this was the building we moved into. There's cracked floors and there's a human operated elevator. It's like dark. <laughs> <laughs> Yellow walls haven't been painted in a long time. What are some of our epic fails? Our epic fails. <laughs> the list is long. Yeah. Because <laughs> we tried a lot of stuff. We tried uh, camera apps that lets people post pictures. We've done chatbot content, email lists. I mean, there's so many like videos and art, like small to big. Like we would spend a lot of money creating a video series, and it would it just wouldn't hit. There have only been a few things that have gone viral, but we've always had that hope and we always keep trying. And whenever like a new medium comes out, we adopt it and we apply it to dogs and we truck along. And if it doesn't work, then we abandon it and we just join the next one. I think that's always been like a good principle. Like try stuff, don't overthink it. Don't overspend on it. If it works, double down on it. If it doesn't kind of move on to the next thing. And I don't say this to be kind of like bragging, but we definitely got our share a credit for all the content stuff. And I think, you know, a lot of it has really been cool. But one thing you're kind of saying is that we also just picked the right platform at the right time. Uh, I, yeah. And so it was a much about like showing up with something interesting to say at a time where people kind of hadn't really discovered that yet, that it was actually the content that we did. Isn't that the same story as our business too? Yeah, it's <laughs> true. I think with the business though, now that we're doing um, we're doing uh, super tour, we're doing beds, we have a home line, you know, we're doing more kind of like wellness kind of products. I think that it's a little bit more predictable there actually in like building products. It seems that the stuff that's working now in content, if you look at like, look at all platform, is either the Netflix kind of hundred millions of dollars kind of content, or it's just like the random Reddit video that you just can't predict. You're kind of throwing your little piece of content like into the, into the internet lottery and hope that it gets picked up, but the chances of that happening today is just so small. And then you see like a lot of the stuff that is happening where it gets a little bit predictable, right? It's leaned very heavily on a 
shelter dog that needs to get adopted. It's fueling the outrage machine of like, isn't this a horrible thing that somebody's doing? Which we haven't really done too much of. Yeah, we've definitely tried it, but I always like felt a little gross inside afterwards. Like we would get the views, we would get the traffic, but it just didn't feel like us. And so we shut a lot of that down, even though we knew it worked, it just wasn't right for who we are. I think also like for a commercial point of view, it needs to lead somewhere where you're creating some kind of relationship with the customer. Either they think you're funny and therefore they'll go and buy your product or they think you care a great deal about dogs um, and you show it by the content you're doing. Or like it needs to have like some kind of connection where I think a lot of the shelter stuff for us is something that we do because we think it's the right thing to do. But it seems a little bit kind of fake to be making content about it because it looks like you're kind of bragging about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think content, especially now, it always needs a patron of like another team. So like, you can't just do content for content's sake. Content needs to support something on the marketing team, or you like need to have the idea that you want to turn the content itself into like a full business, or you know this video is going to do X, or it's like cheap enough that it's like whatever. We just want to like risk it, but it always needs to be partnered with something within the business that is actually making money. And then you have so much more flexibility and space to be creative. You've always l tried to balance, you know, I want to be commercial enough so that the advertising team or the marketing team likes what I'm doing, but I also want to be genuine and do something that the customers kind of like respect and are interested in. I, it seems that a lot of brands fall into kind of like the first camp where they're just trying to do something that they think will work and then they don't have that authenticity that actually resonate with the customer. How do you think about that balance? Yeah, I think like in like desperate moments, you know, when the marketing team is like, I need to sell boxes, I'm like, okay, you know, in the first few years I would be like, all right, I'll post their sale and like talk about it in a fun way and include a cute picture. That doesn't work. And it also like makes you feel, oh, BarkBox is just selling to me. But like you can, approach things in a creative way and you can tell a better story. It takes a lot of extra work, but like say we wanted to talk about our Thanksgiving bark box and posting like get your first bark box for $10 on organic social, like you're going to get ignored immediately and like lost in the ocean of Facebook content. But if you post like look at these hedgehogs having dinner with their dog brother with our Thanksgiving bark box, that's a lot more interesting. How do you teach people this way of thinking? Like we've had a lot of people coming in and out of the content team over the years. Do you have like a, a way that you, you get them up to speech or do you just pick people who think this way? I think the best people have been the people who are just deep into content. Like they can't help but tell stories. They blog or they are trying to do comedy or they have an Instagram that they're trying to build or they are a performer like it's not about like trying to get attention on yourself but you just like can't help but like be on the internet and read reddit and like find all these like weird pockets of places and meet new people and like meet new dogs online they can't help but live and breathe content every day where's your head on like some of the new platforms TikTok or the new platforms but like emerging platform TikTok you know going into Telegram-esque, like, group messaging, stuff like that? I haven't really seen that many brands get huge on them. I think we'll always join them, 
but I have hope, but we haven't had like success in a new platform in a few years. I think the platform that we have had success in is our happy team. But it's not like classic kind of content as in like I broadcast to a lot of people. It's really one-to-one -one content, right? It's us having a direct relationship and talking to our customers about anything they want to talk about in an authentic way. Totally. Actually, that's a really good point. So yesterday, one of the biggest Facebook groups and actually one of the most interesting like dog pockets online right now is this Facebook group called Dog Spotting. And it's all about if you see a cool dog, take a picture and post it online. And it, it's just like a really authentic and pure place. I've seen many times where people are posting the cards that we actually send to people. Like last year we sent like 78,000 handwritten cards or something like that, something insane. Some of them have like hand-drawn portraits in them. And so in this dog spotting group, someone posted that their dog passed away and we sent them like a pretty long handwritten card saying like, we're here for you, let us know. We're so sad to like hear that you're, that Zeus passed away. I had a dog pass away a year ago and like here's what I did to get through it. That was actually posted to like one of the biggest dog groups. But it's an elegant thing, right? Because I, I know for a fact that the Habit team, they don't send that out with a commercial thought at all, right? They have the mandate to do whatever they think is right for our customers and because they sit and have people crying, you know, like on the other end saying of the phone saying that I have to cancel because my dog is no longer here. Uh, they've kind of like taken it upon themselves to do that. And so in the outrage police eyes, that would seem to be trying to commercialize something which is a, you know, obviously it's a huge life event for people and it's not, it's not why it's there. I guess like authenticity is really tough to fake, right? You know, and, and I think people are very good at spotting if you don't have good intentions. For sure. And I, that's not why we send those cards. And I think like that's one of the things that as a company, like I know it like from a budget point of view, like making that space for people is not cheap. I think, you know, we took some of the budgets that we were spending on producing mass content and we redeployed that into having one-to-one -one relationships. And I think, you know, for us as a business strategy, that's definitely working because you get a meaningful relationship with your customers. They tell you a lot of things. Obviously, they tell you when things they're unhappy with, but they also tell you things that they're happy with. I think, you know, we get almost as many cards we send out, we get cards back. Like we get in the thousands of Thanksgiving cards every year yeah. <laughs> from customers that are just happy that we are, that we are around. And I, I think if you are a digitally anchored brand and you don't have that in life kind of like relationship, you need to find ways and you need to invest in ways where you can create that meaningful relationship. And for us, that is having hundreds of dog-loving, very yeah. kind people in Columbus, Ohio sitting and answering the phones. I mean, I think it's the happy team. I also think it's like things like Yappy Hours. I think it's the Bark Park. I think it's like, it, I think it's in the products that we're like designing, like creating the moments. Like all of it is a lot of hard work, but it all levels up to as many intimate moments that you can have with this like four-legged ridiculous family member who is just like so precious and lovely. We're coming back to the office on Canal Street. Ironically, I don't think we've ever done podcasts for Bark, right? Are, you can't see the dogs. Can't see the dogs. <laughs> That's an advantage when you talk to entrepreneurs is that you can't, you can't see the... 
the red-faced, sweaty <laughs> Henrik and Stacey in her very elegant finance uh, jacket that has a pocket. I should take a picture out here. Do you have anything I forgot to... Uh... Uh, thanks for giving me a job. Oh. <laughs> thanks for staying along so long. Thank you so much for listening. I got a favor to ask. If you like the podcast, then it would be awesome if you could share it on social or rate the show so others can find it too. Also, I'd love some feedback. Just tweet me at at Wordlin. I'll be back with more entrepreneurial walks and talks very soon.